0: it's propaneplus.com propane plus call them 401-885-4209 you're listening to the john dipetro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com it's thursday christmas week looks like we have a storm coming in well, folks, yesterday was quite the day, quite the day in Washington. There he was, President Zelensky, very, very dramatic to DC. First trip outside of Ukraine since the war started. Let's pick up the piece from Good Morning America. Fourth
1: and defiant wartime visit to Capitol Hill. President Volodymyr Zelensky, dressed in military fatigues, traveling to Washington with an urgent message.
2: Russia could stop its aggression, really, if it wanted to. But you can speed up our victory. I know it.
1: It's been 300 days since Russia invaded Ukraine. This was the first time Zelensky left the front lines. And while he thanked Americans for their support.
2: Thank you all from everyone who is now at the front line.
1: He made it clear Ukraine needs more aid and more weapons.
2: We have artillery. Yes. Thank you. We have it. Is it enough? Honestly, not really.
1: Zelensky warning if Russia is not stopped now, other allies could be under attack too.
2: Your money is not charity. It's an investment in the global security and democracy that we handle in the most responsible way.
1: He took that message to the White House as well, meeting face to face with President Biden, who vowed to support Ukraine for as long as it
3: takes.
4: What you're doing, what you've achieved, it matters not just
3: to Ukraine, but to the entire world.
1: The president announcing a new $1.85 billion aid package including a powerful patriot missile defense system to protect against Russian missile and drone attacks. As Zelensky closed out his trip to Washington, left the American public with one final image, handing leaders a Ukrainian flag signed by soldiers in a desperate fight for freedom.
2: Let this flag stay with you ladies and gentlemen. This flag is a symbol of our victory. In this war, we stand, we fight, and we will win because we are united, Ukraine, America, and the entire free world.
1: A rare show of bipartisanship there on Capitol Hill. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi giving President Zelensky an American flag that flew over the U.S. Capitol during his visit. It comes as lawmakers are scrambling to pass a government spending bill that includes an additional $45 billion in aid to Ukraine. With. Rachel Scott, thank- You know,
0: folks, I also want to, um, again, that was uh, from good morning america you know i as i've said i i don't understand the people that are not supporting this guy there were some republicans that wouldn't stand uh wouldn't many many in the chamber were giving him a standing ovation and you know i just think yesterday uh charlie kirk people some people know who he is he started um you know i he he, he big conservative young guy with a hat. He was um questioned by the January sixth committee. He was actually questioned by the FBI and he kept invoking the fifth. So so he wears his little hat and he he, you know, likes to cheer. They think they're uh he's what I would call a fake tough guy. You know, they cheer on stage. And they get you know big groups together. I think he's part of C. He actually might be you know the one of the founding things of CPAC. And but they're the type. I, I want to remind people: Zelensky wouldn't leave. And all those people I interviewed, he was motivating them. That they, the the Russians thought Ukraine was going to fold in in thirteen hours, and here it is, three hundred days later and they're still fighting strong. His line for the ages, as I've said, I don't need to ride out of the country. I need ammo. We're not going anywhere. We're fighting. That's brave. He's willing to stay and fight. He's willing to motivate others and stay and fight. Charlie Kirk wouldn't answer any questions. I I recognize it's someone it's all right that's fair criticism say one that's apples and oranges i get it but like this crew the people that wouldn't stand matt gates and some of this crowd they're, they're just they're social misfits they're not brave they're fake tough guys i also you know i'm not going to talk a lot about it but i, I for the life of me don't understand so fox came on and they just allowed and tucker carlson was making fun of what he what he was wearing like Again, the, 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 the word brave is thrown around these days to me too much on people that, you know, the Rhode Island State House, all we hear about are people who, you know, they fought and they are fighters and how brave they are to sleep out there in the steps. A, a lot of these situations, I, I think the word is misused. And you, you hear it a lot, you know, those brave individuals that went and attended CPAC, <laughs> as comical as that sounds. I, I don't think they fully get someone who's brave. I, I, and I say that I, I was in awe of the people of Ukraine as I was interviewing them. And as I was in Ukraine and how much they were willing to fight for their country. And how much they were willing to fight, and the amount of people around them, the country being destroyed and uh and how many people they knew were either being killed or then getting killed in the fight, so there was another clip again he he spoke President Zelensky spoke uh in Congress, and there were different times that the chamber really rose that that's a good line about um you know it's not charity it's an investment in global security and senator reed i'll play it coming up actually i could play it now the fight is real this is um On CNN, Rhode Island, Senator Jack Reed went on CNN yesterday. Senator, good to see you, Mr.
4: Chairman, I should say. So, a a world leader is coming to meet with President Biden and address Congress while his country is engaged in war. To you, what is the significance of this day? Well, the significance
5: is that he is coming to thank the American people for their support, and also President Biden for his leadership, coalescing the free world, literally, uh, in support of Ukraine. But second, he's reminding us that uh, his fight is really our fight, that uh, the Ukrainian people are fighting for the values, for the priorities, for the world uh, order that has been the hallmark of American diplomacy and Western Europe diplomacy for, for decades. So he is here to thank and here to uh, communicate that this is a mutual fight. And also, as everyone's pointed out, easier, I think, to continue to inspire his country
4: and inspire the world. As you heard Phil Mattingly report just now, the U.S. is going to be uh, giving Ukraine the Patriot Missile Defense System. Russia threatened unpredictable consequences for the U.S. if, in fact, we give them the missile system, this defensive system. Are you worried at all about any backlash from Russia?
5: Well, there's always a tension. In fact, uh, we've always calibrated our transfer of equipment based upon a a prediction of the reaction of russia but this is purely a defensive system it's an air defense system uh it can not be used to initiate offensive actions against uh, russia Uh, but it can stop their aircraft and uh other vehicles from attacking ukraine so i do not think that (laughs) he would be foolish enough to use this system as a pretext for
4: doing something uh escalatory What do you want to hear from President Zelensky when he speaks in just a few hours?
5: Well, I I think we will hear what he's already said. Uh, Thank you to the American people. Thank you for America standing up and rallying the world. And then remind us all that uh, the Ukrainian people are fighting and dying and suffering grotesque atrocities, uh, not just for themselves, but for three men and women everywhere. And that message, I think, will not only inspire... uh, people here but around the globe and send a message to the russians that we stand together
4: how concerned are you that when republicans take over the house of representatives in a few days uh, many of the leaders the republican house leaders have been openly questioning uh, giving money and economic aid to ukraine how, how worried are you about what happens after mccarthy or whoever becomes speaker and and do you think Zelensky's speech will play any role uh, in securing more aid in the future for Ukraine?
5: No, I think there is a concern because there's been some very, uh, I think, uh, reckless and foolish rhetoric coming out. This really is a struggle, and we are making sacrifices. Our European allies are making significant economic sacrifices, uh, but nothing compared to the, the, the deaths and the destruction and, uh, that the Ukrainians are doing every day to establish and withhold principles we stand for. So I would I think his his visit will make a difference. He'll it, personalize this to members of Congress. Uh, and also, I think he will uh, remind them that, uh, you know, we're not doing the fighting, uh, and it would be more costly for us if we were engaged and the Ukrainians are on the front lines.
4: Donald Trump Jr. put out a message on Twitter in which he referred to Zelensky as an ungrateful international welfare queen. I wouldn't normally quote Donald Trump Jr., wow. but there is a movement in this country, the MAGA movement, uh, that listens to him and, and believes that that description is accurate. What's your response?
5: Well, it's ridiculous. Uh Again, it's, it's almost incomprehensible that anyone would uh, use that terminology to describe someone who probably is the most courageous and inspirational leader since Winston Churchill. And defending the values that they all claim they are staunch defenders of also. Uh, you know, I can recall a few weeks ago where John Bolton said if his father was in office, the Russians would already be in Kiev. And I think that's right. So... Uh, This is not about defending democracy. It's
4: just uh, nonsense. Democratic Senator Jack Reed of Rhode Island, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee.
0: Excellent job by uh, Senator Reed. Folks, I agree with him. All this tough talk, I mean, I don't get it. Reagan would have backed that. Reagan would be backing this. Um, Russia's evil. It's good versus evil. Can't have countries invading other countries. I agree we have to keep the world order. Now, closer to home, I want to give folks, and again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9.5. I want to give credit to the um, Providence Police. So they captured that murder suspect from Monday night. I was on Waverly Street in the West End. It's off Francis Street. There was a uh, brutal man who was shot to death. They caught the suspect. He was in Ohio. It was um it was incredible yesterday the Providence Police caught a murder suspect that fled to Ohio. The Rhode Island State Police were unable to put out a press release of a, a a woman's body they found or was found in a pond in Coventry. So I went yesterday, and the Rhode Island State Police would not even let us film near the pond. It was ludicrous. Nope, stay back. stay by the road. And then they can't even put out a press release. I mean, I don't know how people are confident they're going to be able to determine who this is. It was such a contrast. I, um, as many of you know, I mean, I, I support law enforcement. I supported and was trying to support the Rhode Island State Police were at the State House last week because they were trying to make sure that those, quote, homeless individuals were kept safe and then they were just doing their job. But... You can't even and again this doesn't go to like every member of the state police but you you can't even and there was no statement yesterday all the media you know channel 10 12 6 there were were four of us there me channel 10 12 and 6 couldn't even come and give a grief a briefing couldn't even just come tell us what was found. nothing zero i mean what is this this is not the state police that i remember i i i have quite a bit of interaction providence police Cranston Police, obviously, and Warwick Police. In, in socket, I want to give credit to. This is the State Police is not that. I don't. The State Police, as I I was saying yesterday, they they've never really recovered from when Governor Mundo made that Anna Sumco the head and really made it political. They haven't recovered. I just there are other uh, law enforcement agencies that are out shining. The Rhode Island State Police. The police is not what the State Police once was. Just question the whole thing. We have to. I have to call balls and strikes. It's just being honest. It's just not. Uh, All it's everything. They don't introduce any legislation to curb drunk driving. You know, remember drive sober, get pulled over. They like all these gimmicks, and all they seem to do is have press conferences around holidays to remind people not to drive drunk, but. There's still people driving drunk on the roads. Then they get upset when their cruisers are smashed, even though regular civilians are killed. Yesterday, Monday night, it was just a contrast for me, hear me out. Monday night, Major David Lepayton and Mayor Alorza, they gave a quick press briefing two hours at two less than two hours after the murder had taken place in Providence. The state police couldn't cobble together a press release in 24 hours let alone yesterday so they had no one that could come down and say to the media just a quick here's here's where we are nothing what is that ludicrous but i i mean as part of that i it's part of that because governor mckee part of this i hope this is not they're angry that certain members of the media ran a story that someone was murdered and then covered up by the state police. I hope it's not that, but really disappointing. We'll see how long this goes. That they can't even put out a press release about finding a female body doesn't speak much to uh, of that. They are how successful they're going to be in determining who that person was or how they ended up in the pond. All right, Thursday we're going to talk with attorney Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro show. There's no limit to what you can do outside with your property. Folks, call Limitless Outdoors today, 401-580-1852. Get a free quote and let them go to work to show you how you could use all of your outdoor living space. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways. They did a fantastic job with my steps. How about an outdoor kitchen or landscape lighting? Retaining walls, lawn installations, excavations, Limitless Outdoors, and also inside. Limitless Outdoors can also offer indoor stone veneer services. Update your indoor fireplace or kitchen. Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Look for them on Facebook or call 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream. Build, enjoy, get the most of your property, both inside and out. 401-580-1852, Limitless, outdoors, based in Smithfield, Rhode Island. Folks, you are listening to the John DiPietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Joining us right now, he is our legal expert. One of Rhode Island's top attorneys. It is attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, we have been talking about this case. It started in the aftermath of the Varsity Blues case, which were parents of means paying a certain amount of money. Uh, the big scheme with Varsity Blues through a middleman, Rick Singer, it was actually even turned into a, a film. I think I started on Netflix, but they would, uh, it essentially got some pretty high profile individuals and children, and then other less profile individuals, but into some of uh, very choice top schools, USC, Georgetown. Uh, we had the situation with Gordy Ernst, who then ran into that, and he seemed to be running a side deal. And then it came upon this case out of Boston, where you had this Harvard fencing coach. And it stemmed from someone that noticed a home in Needham that uh, sold for ridiculous, almost double what it was worth. And then contacted this report of the Boston Globe, did some digging, um, Charges were brought against this very successful businessman who turned out two of his sons got into Harvard and were on the fencing team. And the coach of Harvard, who sold this home, did business with the man, and then seemingly bought a condo in Cambridge. And uh, and it, it would seem that we have a result in this trial that has been taking place and playing out over the past week. And they have come back with a, with a not guilty verdict here, Tim Dodd.
3: Yes, um, I was a little bit surprised—not more than a little bit surprised—with yeah. the not guilty verdicts. Um, it's interesting that during the closing, um, um, the attorney for Peter Brand, the defending coach, yep. said to the jury, "Look, there's lots of potential conflicts of interest here, and it may not feel right, but mm. this is not a; these are not; these are not bribes." So. Right. That um, put into the yeah. put into the jurors' minds that, you know this is an odd situation, but it's not bribes. And this case had a lot of facts and issues different than the standard varsity blues case. Let's look at Lori Laughlin and her yes. daughter Jade. Now, Lori Laughlin and her husband paid off to uh, the middleman there, the, the guy that dreamed this all up. Yep. They Rick Singer. Nick Rick Singer, Singer, thank you. Yep. And they phonied up Jade as being some recruit for the um, rowing team to, to do crew. She'd never been in a boat, but they took a bunch of phony pictures to make it look like, you know, she was a participant in crew. Total fraud. They pay the money, she gets in, she never joins the crew team, and she's boom, she's at USC. In in this case, the gentleman with the deep pockets, the wealthy businessman Jack Zhao, he yeah. had two sons who apparently were eminently qualified in their own right, based yep. upon their resumes, to get accepted to Harvard and to um, get on the fencing team. They had been fencers, I guess, in high school. They had great academic um, records, extracurriculars, the whole trip. So if their dad, Jack Zoe, never talked to this Peter Brand guy, arguably they would have been qualified um, guys for the um, fencing team. In fact, they were both admitted in fact they both were on the fencing team for all four years and i believe i don't know which brother is which but one graduated with something north of a 3.8 gpa and the other brother graduated with a gpa north of 3.9 so they were good students they were athletes they were on the fencing team they were qualified now the prosecutors would say maybe they were qualified, but dad didn't want to take any chances. He wanted to ensure their admission and he was willing to pay off to do it. So you get this crazy situation with the house that Jack Zoe played double for and then sold at a loss, <clears throat> excuse me, but there was um, sufficient testimony apparently um, from Peter brand, the coach and others in his, um, list of witnesses to say this was always a loan. Uh, They were able to show that this guy, Jack Zhao had loaned money to other friends on many other occasions, substantial sums of money, without promissory notes, without writings, without guarantees, without anything. So it's not like it was a one-off situation that he did for this guy, Peter Brand. Apparently, he did it all the time. And the unwritten agreement was, I'm going to loan you the money. We know that when your mother passes away, Peter, you're going to inherit a good chunk of money. And when you get your inheritance, you'll pay me back. And in Mm -hmm. fact, mother passed away. He got his inheritance and he paid back all the outstanding monies owed to this guy, Jack Zhao. Now, maybe if this hadn't been discovered, he would have gotten his inheritance and never given the money back, but they had to cover the base for the sake of this um, criminal trial. But it all kind of hung together. So I think that certainly all of these facts taken in their totality, um, the defense attorneys did their job of raising reasonable doubt. Is there doubt, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, that this was a bribe? If the, if the government doesn't prove it, you must come back not guilty. Yes. Was there doubt that it was not a bribe, that it was in fact unsecured oral loans for significant sums of money? It might seem unusual, but in the world these guys were in, it was not unusual apparently. So I think there was some good lawyering done, and I think that both of these defendants had to have a lot of intestinal fortitude to, to stand up there and roll the dice to try this case in front of a jury. I think the other interesting thing is the middleman who was sort of in business for himself, um, he was given immunity from prosecution yeah. and all sorts of sweetheart deals by the government. Yeah. Right. So apparently they picked the wrong horse in this particular race because these two guys walk and the government's left having done the sweetheart deal of all sweetheart deals for the informant who testified for the government? So th- the government won most of these cases, but this was a um, stunning loss for the government and yeah. a kind of a sweet victory for these two guys. Really sweet Tim, victory. Tim
0: Dodd, what about the line? Uh, US, Assistant U.S. Attorney Stephen Frank said, Listen, we're not saying that the two sons were not great students or good fencers, mm-hmm. but I like the line, it doesn't matter radio fencing or the Albert Einstein of acad- academics. If Brady's father paid a million-dollar bribe to the Coach University of Michigan, make sure he's recruited, it doesn't matter whether or not he's good enough. This is still a crime. It's still so bribery. But, but it, it sure sounds to him, Dodd. I, some of the other people that quickly, you know, played guilty and so forth, you wonder how they may have feared in, in the course if they decided to maybe roll the dice and go the route that Peter ended.
3: Well, yeah. And the prosecutors were also, you know, implying or stating outright that Jack Zhao, his kids were certainly qualified, but yep. no one's a guarantee to get into Harvard. No. And, no. you know, he paid, they, they claimed that he paid off to make sure that the kids yeah. got in. He didn't want to right. take any chances. Now, to your to your point about what other defendants might now be thinking in retrospect, should we have mm. tried our case too? This was a unique case, um, yeah. far different than a lot of the other cases where parents were paying, um, silver, um, to make sure their kid got in with a phony resume of phony participation in sure. sports. Good point. So, you know, phony tennis player, phony crew member, phony, you know, all kinds of phony, um, trumped up, um, claims of sports participation, um, those cases were entirely different. This had the uniqueness of well-qualified young men who likely would have gotten into Harvard without their dad paying off somebody.
0: Folks, quick break. Much more ahead, our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care Fifteen twenty-four Atwood Avenue in Johnston—that's right—in the Atwood Medical Center, and also fifty-seven fifty Post Road East Greenwich. Online at admedurgentcare.net dot net. We're speaking with our legal expert, our attorney Tim dot Tim, this next case—I had actually got—they uh lived there; they almost basically on a golf course, and then they brought a suit that it was essentially destroying. Their quality of life, golf balls, you know, terrorizing them almost and hitting the house. And they were initially $5 for their troubles. What are we to make of the fact that it would seem that the state Supreme Court in Massachusetts has overturned this now?
3: Well, the the state Supreme Court, um, the SJC in Massachusetts, overturned the jury award um, largely not because – the amount the jury awarded was too high, not based upon the facts of the case, but based apparently on improper jury instructions that the judge gave to the jury. So we've talked about many times, John, that when you're trying a case in front of a jury, you know, you want to, if you're the attorney, you want to win, but you're always trying to lay the groundwork for appellate issues And one of the ripest areas for um, appeals is obviously the judge's conduct. Did the judge make an incorrect ruling which could uh, prejudice the jury to either let evidence in or keep evidence out? And significant fights occur between counsel when trying to um, come up with jury instructions, you know, Defense counsel might say the instruction on this issue should be blah, blah blah Plaintiff's counsel says, no, the jury instructions should be this, not what defense counsel suggests. The judge ultimately has to make decisions. So when a judge makes a decision to accept one specific, uh, let's say, topic for jury instructions, which turns out to be unfairly prejudicial, Well, then the SJC, like in this case, would say the judge made a mistake. He improperly um, uh, instructed the jury. So we don't really know if that instruction prompted this result, but we can't allow this result to stand because it might be based upon the improper instruction. Mm. I think that the amount that these folks were awarded was... um, breathtaking it seemed like a crazy number now i would normally think that during the course of a trial after the jury comes back um, either side can move after trial they can move for a new trial i'm sure that the defendants did and the judge must have denied it and either side can um, make a motion to either add value to the jury award or to decrease the jury award And that's within the purview of the trial judge. So I'm sure the motions were made, but the trial judge didn't see fit to disturb the jury award of $5 million. Um, I think a new judge with better instructions and now a second crack at it, I don't think these folks should have any expectation of getting a jury award anywhere near $5 million. I think that was a... um, one-off aberration which they shouldn't expect to repeat itself
0: folks again we're speaking with our legal expert (laughs) attorney Tim Dott. Tim everyone is talking about the problem at the border and this this whole matter about title 42 and whether or not it's going to remain in effect whether or not in fact they're going to lift it uh, I believe it was even at the, where do things stand as far as Title 42 of the border, which is it's the Remain in Mexico policy that is set to expire.
3: It's the Remain in Mexico policy. It was set to expire on Wednesday. Um, certain um, attorneys, attorneys general from, let's call them Republican or red states, Uh, filed emergency petitions which made their way to the Supreme Court, Chief Justice Roberts granted the temporary um, uh, restraining order or temporarily enjoined um, this Title 42 um, um, provisos from um, lapsing. Title 42 largely came into effect. It was part and parcel of what the Trump administration was trying to do to control border crossings by illegals, and it also came at the time of COVID. So there was a national health emergency, which kind of dovetailed with people this coming over um, in droves like they're doing right now. Um, southern states have been girding for the expiration of Title 42 and expecting far more uh, folks to um, illegally cross into our country. So will Title 42 survive for days or weeks or months, um, that's yet to be determined. The judge simply granted a stay on Title 42, um, lapsing by its own terms, and is now giving um, proponents and opponents um, opportunities to brief this. Um, it, it's, it's interesting that the, this administration, I guess, wants Title 42 to expire Um, they're in court um, fighting any effort to keep it in place and to the extent that the border can't be controlled um, it seems like it's only going to get worse so i think chief justice roberts did the prudent thing to at least kind of tap the brakes and give the parties an opportunity to brief this uh, issue and see if something can be done to keep this in place it seems to me um, that's one of the few things that border agents and southern states have to try to control the influx, which we're experiencing right now. Um, I'm not sure the, the red states um, litigants here will prevail, but at least they'll keep it in place for a little bit longer.
0: Yeah. Folks, well, so with our legal expert, Attorney Tim, to, Tim Dodd, Tim, what do you think is going to happen as far as President Trump in his tax returns, and I know some are arguing this. Could, this could open up a dangerous can of worms for privacy going forward.
3: I, well, I, I whether you, again, I many times preface things saying whether you like President Trump or whether right. you loathe President Trump. Wherever you stand, um, this is a very treacher- uh, precarious, treacherous, uh, slippery slope that. Um, Um, Congress is, is setting us on. This has been an investigation in search of a crime. There's nothing that requires a presidential candidate to release their tax returns. So there's always been a suspicion, I guess, by Trump's opponents that he's hiding his tax returns because he's got some fundamental, potentially criminal problems with his filings, with the representations he's made. Has he committed fraud? But again, it's been, a, it's been an investigation searching for a crime. There have been aching to get these returns, to scour them, to see if they can pin some sort of criminal activity on Donald Trump. So now they've got the returns. And now there's great political pressure from the Trump-hating world to have Congress release the returns that they've got. And I guess they can do it. And they probably will do it if nothing more than to further try to smear um, Donald Trump and to further hamper any shot he would have had at being reelected. So, you know, the Dems and the media still fear Trump. They still think that he's, you know, the, the powerful person in the room who has to be taken down at all costs. But the, the not the president, the precedent that this will set will be used to go after your political enemies yep. forever. Sure. So when the Republicans are in, they're going to be looking at the Democrats' tax returns and vice versa. Yep. And why is it only going to be limited to presidential candidates or sitting presidents? Can Congress say we want to see John De tax returns? You're a private citizen. Right. Or other members of Congress or their political enemies. Right. Um, it's it's a step that's being taken for the purpose of hurting Donald Trump, and I get it, but the standard that's being set—we um, have a di- more difficult enough time governing with the, you know, the um, lack of bipartisan communication on anything. This is this something that's further going to divide the country and create political battles forever. This is mm-hmm. never going to end it's 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 almost akin to okay so the democrats got nixon so now that's the republicans right. got clinton that's because right. they got clinton now we're going to go get trump yeah. um if the if the republicans get their act together they might say well we want to now go after biden and try to impeach him all of the time wasted on that nonsense is time that's not being devoted to the serious you know fundamental problems that we have in this country and Mm. this tax business i think will ultimately be a further waste of time but it's the the mentality seems to be we got to get trump at all costs we'll break every rule we'll set terrible precedents but we got to get this guy and and maybe they will and even if they don't it continues their um, efforts to you know malign him and castigate him in every way possible. And maybe it's justified, but maybe it's not.
0: Much more ahead, our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. The Cui cool in. ...remain healthy, stop in and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. You can also look for her on Facebook, but call her 401-305-3585. You know the building. It's that historic white church diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. It's My Health. What do you find inside? Well, first of all, great service, great selection... Vitamins, herbal remedies from trusted companies, local products like I.C.E. honey, maple syrup, beef, fresh gum. Over two hundred and fifty bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's My Health. Poppin' and see Marie. Ten ninety nine, Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health. Ten ninety nine menden road in cumberland again call marie 401-305-3585 diagonally across from davidport restaurant we're speaking with our legal expert it's attorney tim Dodd. tim i also just wanted to circle back and do follow-up um ultimately the judge ruled exactly as you said regarding the individuals at the state house uh they did set up uh, the, the governor, anyhow, reached out. They set up something special. And on Saturday over the weekend, they they sent a cleaning company and basically removed. It turned out that there was actually no one in a lot of the tents, which I went up there and did some live streams. And I several times there, there didn't seem to be anyone. I, I it was my thought. I'm not saying there weren't some people at different times, but a lot of the tents, I, I'd say a lot of them were almost like just like decorations props if you will they were very small they scattered them if you looked it looked like wow look like even i was surprised look at those tents but then it turned out that they were really just a handful of people um ultimately it sure seemed Dodd, that the the judge made or where does this go now made the right decision because the aclu and others were still weighing in and basically trying to say that they were denying them it's a freedom of speech issue
3: well i i the judge did a good job here. Um, he didn't rush to any decision. Um, he initially, you know, didn't grant the TRO but put the case over for a week. Then um, the ACLU wanted to get involved. They wanted to amend the complaint. The judge gave them time to do that. You know, he, he didn't make this a big rush job. Um, he was very methodical in the approach. But at the end of the day, his decision was based on several things. Number one, that there is apparently an ordinance or a statute which uh, prohibits um, overnight uh, staying at or sleeping at or being on the statehouse property. So all these like statements being made, oh, this is the people's house and we have a right to be here, this is public land that's just you know that's a nice anthem but it's not reality yeah and what the judge found is that the ordinance that prohibits people camping at sleeping over uh, at the uh, state house was applies to everybody so it's not like it was some narrowly prescribed ordinance to just affect uh, the homeless people there in tents so it was a broad enough ordinance that it could not be seen to target the homeless. And the judge further found that these homeless folks, to the extent they want to make a political statement, suggested these folks have ample other avenues to protest, to exercise their free speech, and to make their concerns known. So no one was limiting their free speech or freedom of expression and he used the words. They have ample other opportunities to express themselves in many other forums. Um, so I, I'm certain that the judge got it right. To to your question, what happens now? Well, to the extent that some of the folks backing these homeless advocates want to make more of a political statement, Right. the only avenue they would have would be to file um, an appeal of the judge's ruling um, to the Rhode Island Supreme Court. Um, I don't know that a decision has been made to do that. I've not seen anything publicly that they're taking an appeal. I'm sure they're considering their options, but <clears throat> essentially I believe this would be the end of the case Um, And in fact, I think it was Steve Brown said, unless we take an appeal, this is the end of the case. Yeah. Um, I think they'll take an appeal, but that's just me.
0: Folks, again, we're sweet with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, two other stories. uh, This is interesting. Uh, Talk about like a dangerous trend. Apparently, these two Somerville teens, this story out of the Boston Globe, inspired by TikTok. So apparently, sometimes these things (laughs) happen on TikTok, they trend. Kids imitate them before TikTok can take them down. Well, one of the things they do is they actually rob a postal worker. So sure enough, they approach him, They rob them. Uh, the police then saw, apparently, they claim they saw a suspicious vehicle afterwards. And then maybe near a box, they were going to put it back. But we, we don't know all the details yet. But that, that sounds like a serious crime if you rob a United States postal carrier.
3: Well, yeah, this, it gets a little tricky because I, I think – that type of criminal charge would be federal in nature because yeah. the post office is an f- arm of the federal government. These two um, teenagers they are under age um, have been charged in juvenile court in Massachusetts. Uh, I believe the charge right now is armed mask robbery. Mm. Now, if you're an adult and you commit an armed mask robbery, you're going to jail. That's yeah. a jail case. Wow. Now, I guess one question would be, and we've talked about it before, in Massachusetts, would the prosecutors attempt to have a hearing to try to waive these two idiots out of the family court and have them tried as as adults? If they are waived out of the family court or juvenile court, and um, the court grants the waiver, and they are to be tried as adults, that's a very significant charge and I would expect there'll be more charges coming. I think that there's certainly room for more charges beyond armed mas- armed masked robbery. Um, it's an incredibly stupid thing to do. I mean, it's, it it's, so, it's astonishing that I guess wow. they list what, what the theory is apparently is they think they will rob a mailman and then grab all of his mail or her mail. And, um, open it up, and if there's checks in there, I guess then they start forging names to checks and going to oh. banks to cash them, which creates even more fraud and yeah. more criminal charges. Uh, it's just it's dumb. It's just yeah. a dumb, dumb, stupid thing.
0: Tim Tim Dodd, uh, this other story, Molden Woman Charge Animal Cruelty, 18 dogs removed from her home. Sometimes you get these animal lovers that say, hey, it's private property and these are my pets, but it's it, it, it does seem to be, all of that, be that as it may, you, you have to be able to show that you are, in fact, can, can take care of these pets.
3: Yes, and this woman was charged, I believe, as of now, with 18 counts of animal cruelty. You're right, you're entitled to have pets, but these pets were malnourished, uh, their fur was all matted, they weren't being cared for. Their nails weren't being clipped, so they had these long nails. I mean, they they were being also um, tied up in violation of the law. So she's been charged with 18 counts of um, dog tethering violations. She's been charged with one count of running an unlicensed kennel. So, yeah, we all, most of us, I certainly love animals, especially dogs. And, you know, people can have more than one dog, 18 is a lot, but it's the fact that they're not being maintained, that they're not being fed, that they're severely malnourished, and they're just not being groomed appropriately, um, gives rise to these criminal charges. Um, Based on the number of charges, I don't know what her criminal history is, but this could, you know, if you get in front of the right group of animal lovers, this could be a jail case. It's certainly a despicable case.
0: Yeah. Finally, Tim Dodd, uh, this story that we had covered, the Borovil man, massive stockpile. Uh, I think neighbors had complained. They could constantly hear him shooting. Again, Second Amendment, true own property again true however i believe that and the, the wife even that there were 200 uh firearms uh, on his property and they, these are federal charges what i'm curious about is it seems you know he's agreed to plead guilty what goes into when in, in agreement for this they agree to drop these charges and maybe that's a lesser one how does how does all that lead to where, where this guy ends up
3: well, they got him with about, I believe, two hundred weapons. He had yeah. he had uh, some ghost guns, and he had some partially constructed ghost guns. Um, he had a pretty significant arsenal there. Um, it it seems like he might have, and I'm speculating, some you know m- mental or psychological problems. Uh, It seems like some of his conduct was driven by his use of control substances. Um, It seemed like he was a very active person um, on social media talking about right wing causes and guns. And I guess he's one who liked Donald Trump's policies, but he could have been charged with hundreds Of potential charges but you know through negotiation um, he's going to plead to one possession of a firearm by a user of a controlled substance and two counts of making false statements when buying firearms now those are all significant crimes the three things to which he's pleading each have a potential sentence of of incarceration of up to ten years on each one So he's looking at the potential and I underline potential for 30 years in prison. Mm. Will he get that? No, he will not get that. He won't get close to that, but he has agreed that within the sentencing guidelines, whatever the judge comes up with as a sentence, he's not going to challenge or appeal what the judge comes up with. Um, The judge that he's got is Mary McElroy. She's an excellent judge. She's a little bit, um, maybe sympathetic. I'm not sure that's the correct adjective, uh, towards the defendants. She does come out of, um, the, uh, Rhode Island public defender's office. Um, there's other judges that I think this guy would be much more afraid to be in front of to, to, I guess, by way of comparison. But, um, you know, the question is what's the point of trying a case for multiple, multiple, multiple numbers of the same counts, um, Is it reasonable to do so? And would the outcome be proportionate? You know, if you put all these things on trial, they come back with um, guilties on all of them. The guy's now looking at, you know, decades in jail. Um, it may be disproportionate. So the negotiation gets it down to three serious charges, which have the potential for significant uh, jail time. The other part of this is he's surrendering surrendering the rest of his arsenal, which I guess the state has indicated they're going to destroy all of the um, weapons that this guy um, hands over. So, you know, he's got tens of thousands at least probably much more invested in these guns. He's got over 200 of them. Yeah. So the destruction of those, he can't sell them. He can't mm. liquidate them. He can't do anything. They're going to be destroyed. So he's lost a lot of money and a lot of value in his weapons. And mm. he's going to go to jail. Yeah. So it's a reasonable... Uh, compromise to dispose of this case without putting the government through the expense, the time, et cetera, of a trial.
0: 25,000 rounds of ammunition greeted police after the police got a warrant for his arrest. He shot in his neighbor's yard over the heads of police officers wearing a battle belt, four handguns, knives, illegal drugs, digital loaded firearm in the backyard. Tim Dodd, this is uh, a unique case, but it sounds like it has been resolved, and then now it's just a matter Looks like he'll get some jail time on, on the late end. Folks, he is our legal expert and his attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim Mer. Excellent job, as always. We will talk to you before the new year, but Merry Christmas, and we'll talk to you next week.
3: Thanks, John. Merry Christmas to you and your family, and certainly Merry Christmas to all of your listeners. Take care.
0: For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals Help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan Today, AmeriPrize Financial 401-434-1510. Offices located four hundred Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for for you through a personal, one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today. AmeriPrize Financial Advisors, 401 434 1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, AmeriPrize Financial, 401 434 1510. Call right now, 401 434 1510. Tom Bryan, AmeriPrize Financial Advisors.